Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, TNT analyst Kevin McHale. I tell you what, for Vikings fans, Green Bay playing the Bears is like, do you want to get hung or do you want to get shot? With your host, Galliot Anderson, stops it down behind his head. Seku Smith. And Lang Whitaker. The NBA's executive vice president of basketball operations, Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, when players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of the nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip off. Gotta love it. The Hang Time Podcast, yet another scintillating playoff edition of the podcast, episode 54. Sacred <laughs> Smith from the Hang Time Podcast, the Hang Time Blog, and NBA.com, along with my co host, Lang Whitaker in New York. Uh, Lang, I apologize for the static. That might be the beach behind me. I'm out here in LA. I've been out to Manhattan Beach already this morning hanging out. Um, I'm doing my best to do. Hard labor here covering the playoffs, but I'm telling you, life is not bad right now, sir. Where'd you go out to Venice? Pick, throw around some weights out there, muscle beat. Yeah, you know, I had to, had to, you know, I had to, you know, go out there and pump a little iron and show up a little bit for everybody. <laughs> uh, it's funny listening to the intro. I saw Stu Jackson in Portland last week, yeah. and yeah, not that he that he would even you know care, but I, every time I see him now, I think <laughs> I think about that clip. Where, when you asked him about caller ID, I mean, you asked him if you know, people get nervous when they see him and he's talking about caller ID, and I, I just look at him and start laughing, thinking about him saying that every time. And I, you know, and I saw him again, like I said, in Portland. He was at the concession stand, and I thought to myself, caller ID, baby. Every time I say, like, caller ID. <laughs> Jackson, that's your guy. <laughs> but uh, huge, huge playoff first round wrapped up. We're already uh, toe deep into the, the conference semifinals here. Um you know, so there's a lot of stuff going on. And then uh, I'm, I was on a flight five hours Sunday night from, from Atlanta to L.A. I get off the flight, and phones, everybody on the plane's phones are going crazy. Um, we got the word about Osama bin Laden being uh, killed and uh, by U.S. troops over in Pakistan. So, I mean, I hate to start the show out on a, on a different note, but I got to ask, you know, you being a New Yorker and, you know, with 9-11 being in, you know, in your memory banks, yeah. obviously, and everyone else's, man. What, what was that like for you, just getting the word about Osama bin Laden? I had um, I had been in New York about a year when 9-11 happened. And, um, you know, I, I always tell people that living through that experience makes you a New Yorker for life, just because yeah. everyone who was here, um, you know, it, when I remember, I, I clearly remember that morning waking up and and the first plane had hit and then the second one hits and no one really knows what's next and there was just for a couple hours there was this uncertainty and 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 scare and everyone was no one knew what to do or where to go and you know that everyone was just sitting around and just kind of waiting to see yeah. what was going to happen next and uh, um, last night I, when when the word came down I, I came pretty close to just going down to to ground zero with everyone else just to see what that was like and, and see what people were, uh, what the reaction was like and the feeling was like. And on, on the news this morning here, local in New York, there, a lot of people were just saying, um, especially they, they talked to a lot of people who had lost relatives or, or people or friends in, in the towers. And 
Um, for them, they said it, it felt like closure, even though, you know, this doesn't mean, as, as the president said last night, it doesn't mean the war on terror is over. But um, he also said it, it was justice. I think that was the word he used. And I, I think uh, for a lot of people up here, it it doesn't end things, but it does feel a little bit like uh, some sort of closure, I guess. Yeah. No, it was, it was stunning. I mean, it was stunning to get that word, like I said, getting off that plane last night because when I landed, you know, you, you're on a flight and you land and then you, you turn your phones on or you turn your phone on and it starts buzzing. You yeah. get all the emails, whatever you missed. And they had wireless on the flight, but it was a five-hour flight, man. Most people slept, you know. Um, right. So I, I had a text message from my little sister that said, that you know, that must have been some great news to get when the plane landed. And it didn't say what the news was. So that was the first one I saw. And I'm thinking, you know, what happened? And uh, yeah. before I could even look to see other people start talking about it. This is a, like I said, it's very, it's a chilling moment, you know, obviously, and, you know, for this many years later, for it to, to kind of come to this point, it's, it's really interesting. Um, but again, um, just, I had to ask, you know, like I said, I know you're, you're an Atlanta uh, native, but you're a New Yorker for life, as you mentioned, so I had to check with my man to see how you're doing. Um, big, big things going on, Lang, uh, on the show today. We have uh, some some good guest lines of some some of our favorites and uh, some new voices we're going to hear from on the Hang Time podcast. But I I, I can't waste your time uh, or anybody else's with my usual rambling. We got to get right to it. And uh, first first guest man, Chris Weber of TNT and NBA TV, one of our faves here at the Hang Time podcast, is joining us to talk playoffs. Chris, man, it's good to have you on again here at the, the Hang Time podcast. Let me ask you real quick, what's what's your overall take on what we saw in the first round and just how these teams have competed against each other and how, how close everything is. Well, I, I kept saying all season, the parity in the NBA, I think, has been better than than many years. Um, uh, recent, it's not just, you know, the one, two, three, four, and then the rest of the uh, the league. And so I just think this has proven it that, you know, click on right about now is that time with the perfect veteran and a mix of youth, you know, it can be a change of the guards. And I think – uh, teams start to see that last year with OKC and them taking LA to seven games, and you know just getting older, teams getting younger, and and then answering that same question, Zach Randolph, is, uh, um, he hasn't shot, knew he was getting numbers, but you know he's been that guy that really has, dom- has made his presence felt. I really feel that it takes a playoff series um, to really make you a star, not just All Star games and that, but to really show what you can do in the playoffs. And without Rudy Gay. Um, uh, and the fact that Zach Randolph has always been an incredible player but maybe known for being selfish, I mean, the assist that he's getting, timely shots, and really being the leader, he's the guy that really has stepped out on that plateau and said, you know, I'm a star and I'm here to stay. Chris, do you think in like two weeks we'll be back here talking about the, the Grizzlies in the conference finals? I definitely think we could be. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I think because they're young, you know, I, that, that's my only thing. You know, they could have closed, uh, even though it was an incredible shot at the end uh, of the San Antonio series to go into overtime, but they could have closed San Antonio out. They tend to forget to play inside out. They're young, so they tend to take bad shots. You know, if, if they just had, you know, time under their belt, I would think they would be, you know, wonderful. But, um, you know, we could be back here talking about that very soon, depending on uh, how well they play. But, you know, I... It wouldn't shock me that they go all the way because right now in this game, 
there's no big fellas that can dominate inside. You know, mm-hmm. Cassell, those guys can dominate inside, but it really takes a lot of Kobe. He's the best one-on-one big man player that we have. And uh, by him uh, drawing double teams, being able to pass out, them attacking a great coach in the Lionel Hollins, I, I just really like this team, and I would not be surprised uh, to see them go uh, to the conference finals. Chris, on the flip side of that, um, the Grizzlies playing so well, you stunned it all at the way the Spurs went down after the kind of season they had, you know, leading the league basically, you know, from start to finish until the very end, and then go down in the first round, like that, looking old and, and, and like yesterday's news almost. Well, I, you know, I, I really think, you know, when we talk about records not counting in the playoffs, your record really don't count. You know, it shows that they had great uh, team management, they had um, great body management, resting their body mentally, not being fatigued, but they didn't play the Memphis Grizzlies 82 games in a row. The matchup was <laughs> terrible for them because they had two big guys inside in Casal and Randolph. It just, I don't think, it's messed up. I mean, it's a disappointing season because they had the best record in the league, but they played the one team they probably wouldn't want to play in the first round of playoffs, yeah. and, and that's, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies. So I don't, I do look at it as well as the change of the guard. This team is getting older. But, um, you know, they played so well because they changed their style of play to mask their age. They started running more, scoring uh, with the guard play, keeping it away from Timmy, trying to make you think he still was the biggest problem that he used to be. And, you know, they won that way. But in the playoffs, when you give him a steady diet of that man inside, you know, it, it is tough to do. So, you know, I, I just think it was a bad matchup. And I think this team is going to be a bad matchup for a lot of teams. Chris, just from your experience as a player, you know, you're talking about the, the young team in, in, in Memphis. Oklahoma City is really young, too. Like, what? how long does it take you in the NBA to, to kind of click as, as a team, as a player, for, for it all to come together and for you to be able to to uh, kind of overcome that inexperience? It depends. And, and what's um, the toughest part about it is everybody's growth is and development um, comes at different paces. Right. So, uh, you know, um, for a team like OKC, you know, I feel that if they played like they did last year, they would be a better team. I feel that Westbrook right now is trying to prove that he's the best guard. And instead of having 29 points on 29 shots, he needs to have 20 points and 16 assists and they would win. And teams have to learn that. Guys are at different places of their career. Who wants to be an all-star? Who felt snubbed? Who was on the USA team last year and wants to be the man? Whose wife is pillow-talking in their ear, telling them they deserve a bigger contract? (laughs) All those things really, really matter. And so, uh, you know, that's why chemistry and growth in the team is so delicate. Everyone has to be at the right place at the right time mentally to win. That's why Phil Jackson's teams, to me, are always the best. His role players are better than any other role players consistently every night. Even if Fisher's out there getting beat up by Paul, you know he's going to be where he's supposed to be. You know he's going to be on time. You know he's going to work hard. You know he's going to be dedicated. And that's all you can depend on, not a shot going in, but the character of these players. And Mm -hmm. and the older you get, the more you've been through. Usually your character's been tested a little bit, and you can trust that a little bit more. And that's why I trust older teams sometimes. But this young Memphis team, they look good. Chris, is it, is it too soon to panic if you're Orlando and you get popped in the first round like that, knowing that Dwight Howard's going to be a, a free agent at the end of next season? I mean, is it is it time for them to start worrying and, and moving pieces and, and all those other things, or should they be a little more patient and, and take a step back? 
Um, I don't know what what no patience is not a virtue um, when you have a superstar <laughs> like Dwight Howard. Uh, <laughs> it's Paul. I'm about to call Dwight Howard if I'm. Uh, <laughs> hey, if I remember those guys, I'm gonna call Spike Lee, ask him to put up some money so and get Dwight Howard. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, if I'm Dwight, I really. Um, I trust Otis Smith, and I know he's done everything for me, but I don't know if I trust the situation. I don't think they know how to build around him. Dwight Howard should not be the number one scorer on that team. If he's the second option, he will be better than most big men that ever played the game. Big men need to get the ball from other guys that can't dribble. So if you get someone that is an extra threat, a great guard that can play with him, you know, just think if LeBron would have gone there or Carmelo would have gone there. Think how great Carmelo does with Stoudemire. But you have a guy that's going to get you 12 rebounds automatically, and he's going to block shots. If Dwight Howard couldn't score, he would be who you want. We've seen players like Matumbo and Morning that didn't have the offensive prowess that he had. And he's still a game changer. And so I think it's time to panic. Because everyone else looks at this as an opportunity to acquire him, and you better take it as serious as possible or somebody's really singing him like some sweet lullabies trying to get him to come with them in the next year. I mean, I would if I was a guard. He'd be the first guy i go after. Yeah. What, Chris, what was your take on uh, you know, staying in Florida on, on the performance of the Heat yesterday? Well, you know, you know, I, I – I like it when teams let you know automatically what they're playing for. And the Heat said we're tired of Boston beating us. They gave us some sad memories. You know, if you look at most teams that have gone through it, if you look at the Pistons that had to go through the Celtics, the Bulls that had to go through the Pistons, there was never any um, there was never uh, any doubt of who hated each other or was it a rivalry or what was going on. It was just what really was happening. And I love the fact that there is no uh, politically correct statements. We love each other. I like the fact these teams don't like each other and they're playing hard. It's a good game. And I tell you, if Miami gets past this, they're going to be really scary. I think this is a series for Miami to get to the championship. If they pass the Celtics, I believe they're going to the championship. And I love seeing them play with that speed and determination um, yeah. that you just didn't see most of the season. Yeah. Chris, do you, do you think that it's, it's too much to ask the Lakers to grind out a fourth straight year where they, they play until the last series of the season? I mean, we talked to Steve Kerr earlier this season. He said that physically and mentally that's just a lot to put on a, a group that's been together this long. Do you think they, they have what it takes to grind out another one? I do, and I don't feel sorry for the long schedule or anything like that. As an ex-player, I would love to play with, with you know, great players like that. You know, like, I mean, come on. You know, you have two seven-footers, which, you know, only one other team has, and you have Kobe and a Hall of Famer and Kobe and a Hall of Famer and, you know, and Coach Phil Jackson. They're okay. You know, I don't believe <laughs> You know, I, I do believe it. mentally fatigue wears on you over time, and, and it can make you slip from day to day. But fatigue doesn't affect you in one game specifically, and, and I believe they're still going to be strong. They have a, you know, Kobe wants that six, and then if this is Phil Jackson's last year, this is going to be 4-3 peach. They, they, they've made the goal in the beginning of the year. They know they're setting history. And so, you know, even though they may act a little bit cooler than, than what they should be, I, I think they're on track, in my mind, to, to repeat and win another championship. All right, Webb, we're not going to let you go without um, getting your predictions for the uh, conference finals. Who do you think is Uh-oh. going to advance out of this crew and, and make it to the conference finals? Wow. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. I mean, Miami's up one game. 
Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick with what I said in the beginning of the year. Um, I said it was Boston, LA in the finals. I'm gonna stick with that. So I'm gonna go. It's gonna have to be Boston, Chicago, and okay. uh, I think Boston will go to the finals. Okay. Uh, on the West, I think, uh, I think we're gonna see the Lakers, Memphis, Alice. I love it. I love it. Who would have thought that in the beginning of the season, right? <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's fantastic, man. That's why it's been such a great season, though, Webb. And uh, we've, obviously, we enjoyed all your stuff all year long on TNT and NBA TV, man. We love seeing you on there and, and keeping it real with everybody. So uh, do what you do, man, and we'll hopefully get back in touch with you before it's all over, all right? Oh, no doubt, Jay Cool. I was watching you on the barbershop, man. I've been seeing you, you know, <laughs> the jump. So I'm checking you out on the jump with my boy D. Scott and so man. Yeah, I love checking y'all out, too. So it's good to be part of the family. It's good to be part of this basketball thing, ain't it, man? <laughs> ain't no it question, is. man. No question. You got to come hang with us on the barbershop next time, man. <laughs> I definitely will, dog. I definitely will, man. <laughs> All right, Will. Take care. Thanks, Will. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, both of you. Thanks. Lang, I, uh... I, I love uh, the the embarrassment of uh, of riches we have at at uh, Turner Sports. With you know, you got Weber, you got McHale. I saw McHale nonstop last week during the playoffs in Portland and Dallas. So I'm in the hallway chopping it up with him. I just you got these ex players, man. These former players, Hall of Famers, some of them, great, you know, all stars and all that. They give a, a totally different perspective on these series, man. I got a chance to talk to McHale in the hallway every game before and after every game of that Dallas-Portland series, just to kind of get his breakdown and his take on things, man. It totally changed the way I was looking at whatever I had seen and it helped me, you know, kind of write some, some diff- take some different angles in what I wrote about the series. And Weber's the same way, man. you you gotta you got to love this stuff. Yeah, and well, and those two guys, it's two of the greatest power forwards to ever play, <laughs> you know. I mean, those <laughs> two guys uh, especially are, are pretty awesome. Talk to. I know people like hearing what you and I have to say, Seku. But, um, <laughs> but, mothers, mothers, mothers and siblings don't count, man. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but besides us, if you're going to listen to someone, I mean, those those two guys are pretty two, two good guys to listen to. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's funny, Lang, most people before the season said to, you know, said to themselves, you know, if you're like, okay, who do you think is going to be in the finals? You say, oh, you know, Celtics, Lakers, do it again. They're both coming back with, all, you know, these big pieces. That may happen. That very well may happen. But the idea that you can have some some serious, you know, uh, movement between now and the finals, to me, is what makes this one of the better playoffs I can remember in recent memory. And we just do the first round. I mean, we're just now kicking off the conference semifinals. But you have a wild card in, in Oklahoma City. And you, have a, you have a wild card, obviously, in Memphis on the, in the West. You go to the East. What if, what if your Hawks do the unthinkable and, and spring it up and you know be Chicago? Then you got a yeah. you got a Hawks team in the conference finals that no one would have picked to be you know to be in that position. Um, I, I'm feeling frisky, man. I, you know you know I've been riding with the Grizzlies for, for two years now, so I'm I don't even want to get into my Grizzlies and uh, you know infatuation. I've been I've been at it on Twitter with people nonstop, you know, trying to <laughs> light the flame. But it's just I, I I'm so excited about the where we go from here in the, on the playoffs, man. It's just, it, 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 it keeps me rolling here because it's not like the, the NCAA tournament where, you know, and, and we've been, I've been pretty vocal about how everybody talks about the NCAA tournament like it's this, you know, this, the most scintillating event in sports. And I'm like, man, watch the playoffs. You know, look, you know look well, the NBA well, one, playoffs. Thing, one thing that's cool is that right now, the, I mean, the, the, the big names are still alive. The Celtics are alive. 
The Lakers are alive. The Heat are still there. Um, obviously, the Spurs went down, but you still have a couple of these big franchise, you know, NBA stalwarts left. And you still have these other teams in there, the ones you mentioned, you know, the Hawks. No one thought the Bulls were going to be as good as they are this year. Your hangtime Grizzlies are in there. Um, right. Oklahoma City. Like, so there's still this chance. Like, even after this round uh, in the conference finals, there's probably still going to be this whole uh, notion of, of the underdog and, and the opportunity for an upset that uh, none of us, <laughs> nobody predicted back in October. Let me, let me ask you guys a question about while you're talking about the Grizzlies. You know, when, uh, when Ewing got hurt back in the day and then the Knicks went on the run and everyone talked about how they played so differently with him out and whether, you know, how, however much that played into their success, how much do you think that the Grizzlies would be succeeding if, if Rudy Gay was still healthy? Like, do you think they would just be even better than they are now or has something changed with him off the court? I think this is a question for Sagu because he's been watching them for two years every game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll tell you the honest and goodness truth, Micah. And I've had other people ask me that question, like, you know, is this a product of not having Rudy Gay out there? They were good with Rudy Gay out there. They were, this is the same team. I mean, Zach was – Zach Randolph was the number one option when Rudy was healthy. You know, Rudy just gave him a, a bigger, more versatile offensive weapon on the perimeter. And really, after his USA basketball experience last summer, Rudy came back this year a better defender, you know, a, a much more aware and unselfish offensive facilitator for this team. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, been, it's kind of unfair for a lot of people to assume that this, you know, oh, they're getting on this roll because they, they took one score away, man. Rudy, if, if they have Rudy Gay right now, I, you think my, my uh, Grizzly stuff is crazy right now, Lang? I'd be, I'd be <laughs> marking about conference finals. I'm, I'm trying to stay away from predictions only because, I, you know, I don't want to break the hearts of my, my people in Memphis and then I'll be all upset, you know, if they don't go. But, no, man, I, I, it's a great question, Michael, but I, I, one that I think needs – the right answer, you know, this Grizzlies team, you know, record notwithstanding, since January, since, you know, since the the start of this calendar year, they have been rocking, and uh, and anybody who's really paid attention to to the NBA would tell you that they have they have been rocking long before Rudy went down and got hurt. So and look, I mean, uh, and look, they're playing they're playing inside out, they're playing tough yep. defense, uh, they're hustling, you know, they're they're getting after it, and, and those are all things that Rudy can do. I mean, I think as long no matter who they really have, as long as they buy into it, uh, to what they're doing in Memphis, it, it makes them a better team. And, and Rudy was definitely a part of that, I think. Well, and anybody who listens to the podcast, too, we, I, I warned everybody last year about Lionel Hollins. When I saw him walk into a shoot-around in Atlanta with a Kango <laughs> on, he had a Kango on. That's an <laughs> NBA head coach wearing a Kango and a velour sweatsuit. <laughs> and, and, Vince, and Vince Thomas and I, we, we crowned him on the spot. We said, this is the coolest coach in the league, man, and the, the cool thing for me is watching head coaches. We kind of saw it with Alvin Gentry last year. You watch head coaches that finally get a chance to get in that in that spotlight, and they kind of show you how charismatic they might be, or how you know how dynamic they are as as leaders and, and and stuff like that. So I think this is not only an opportunity for Zach Randolph and a lot of these players to get on the big stage. It's, it gives that organization and, and Lionel Hollins a chance to really put himself out there in the forefront. And uh, you can't you can't ask for more than that, but. But, but moving on from our Grizzlies conversation, since I don't want everybody to get mad at me for just going on about Grizzlies all day, um, Lang, <laughs> we've been we've been talking about the, the point forward blog on SI.com for some time here on the podcast, just about some of the good stuff we've seen on there. And Zach Lowe of SI.com now joins us on the Hangtime Podcast for his 
first time. Uh, former uh, writing for the Celtics Hub on True Hoop uh, on ESPN.com. And uh, we got to get get you in here, Zach, to tell us about what what went down last night in uh, in Miami and where you see that the Boston uh, Miami series heading after after he took that one zero lead. How you guys doing? Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. No problem. Uh, Celtics Heat. Uh, you know I, I, what went down? Paul Pierce lost his mind, uh, <laughs> and, the heat, and, and the Heat played a really good game. I mean, you know, Celtics fans like to like to grasp grasp for theories about what what their team went wrong. And boy, Rondo committed a couple silly fouls, and they, you know, Paul Pierce was dribbling the ball off his foot like it was 2002. And, uh, you know, but, but the Heat are really good. They came out with a good game plan. They played small a hell of a lot more than I expected them to, and it worked really well. And, you know, Dwayne Wade is going to have Dwayne Wade games, and it's up to the Celtics now to, to bounce back in game two. They just got outplayed by, uh, by a really good team, and that was the case before, uh, before, like I said, Pierce just went a little crazy. I know, I know the Heat are really good, Zach, but, I mean, aren't, aren't the Celtics also better than we saw yesterday? Uh, I think so. They may, you know, they were, I, I thought their defense was, was pretty sound when, you know, I, I rewatched a lot of the game today when Wade and yeah. James had the ball, I thought their defense was pretty sound when Miami was doing sort of its conventional stuff. I thought they did a good job keeping Wade and James in front of them, but then, you know, things got a little dicey when, when the heat did, you know, use some unconventional lineups and moved, their stars off the ball in, in interesting ways. The Celtics were like uncharacteristically caught off guard. You watch the tape of that game. Ray Allen's head is turned a few times, and Dwayne Wade is getting backdoor cuts out of it. Ray Allen and Delonte West got confused about an assignment at one point that led to a James Jones three-pointer. And, and when Miami went small and, and put LeBron at the power forward, even they had Mike Miller at the power forward for a couple minutes, the Celtics just they sort of looked confused and. And not unprepared, but just they, they just they weren't they, they weren't playing it well, and Miami got a lot of easy buckets out of it. Zach, do so you yeah, think that in, in, in other words, the Celtics can be better, but you know I, I'm sure they'll look at film and Doc will see all that, and you know they're going to come out. Uh, you, you know, Game Two is going to be a bloodbath. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Zach, do you think that uh, that we maybe uh, assume too many different things about the Heat team throughout the course of the year? I mean. First month of the season, you know, people were writing that staff, you know, uh, they, they run off that, that wicked stretch, you know, uh, right around the, the start of the new year. Everybody's crowning them. Then they go through another lull. I mean, have we just assumed for too long that this team would be one thing or another and, and maybe now they're finally showing us what, what kind of group they are? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think there was definitely a tendency among among some people to, you know, go up and down with the heat. You know, they're, they're the greatest. Yeah team in the league they what's wrong with them they stink you know they're going through this stretch where they they went through that stretch where they were having you know they lost like five straight to playoff teams and everyone was throwing their hands up in the air you know I just I think the heat this year with very I mean Mike Miller is sort of barely a part of the rotation Haslam's injury was a huge blow I think the heat are what they are they're a really good team and and that's sort of it. I mean, they're a championship contender like any other championship contender. And I think people, for whatever reason, had a hard time accepting that that's what they were in their first year together with some injuries and like a cobbled together bench that, you know, they're, they're a 55 to 60 win team, just like the Lakers, the Spurs, the Celtics, you know, the magic at the bottom of that group. And they're, they're just a really good team. And I think that sort of 
that's not interesting enough of a story, uh, given given right. what happened with the line. Yeah. Do uh, Zach? Do you think my Atlanta Hawks have a chance? <laughs> uh. I, I mean, I want to be polite. It's my first time on the show. Uh, well, it might be your last. <laughs> I mean, Jeff, 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 Jeff Teague is starting tonight. I mean, that's uh, – <laughs> no, the, the, the answer is no. I don't think they have a chance. I mean, I think they – I mean, look, we saw what the Pacers did, right? The Hawks yeah. aren't constructed quite like the Pacers. I mean, the Pacers in a lot of ways had some – ideal ways to frustrate the Bulls and still lost four out of five. But, they, you know, there's, there should be a couple competitive games here. But, you know, what what Atlanta did against the Magic, they obviously can't do in terms of game plan against against the Bulls. And I, and I think, yeah. you know, this is a much more problematic matchup for them. I, I think I had uh, Bulls in five. I hear a lot of people saying sweep. And, you know, there'll be some fans, but I, I can't see Atlanta winning winning this series. I mean, Zach, I – I don't know. I'm I'm a little miffed at, at Chicago, you know, watching them struggle a little bit with Indiana the way they did. And then Carlos Boozer, I mean, what, what in the world is Carlos Boozer thinking playing the way he played against Indiana? He made Tyler Hansel look like an all-star. Yeah, that was ugly. Um, and now he's got turf toe, but he's going to play tonight. You know, I mean, obviously they're going to need more out of him, um, at least offensively. I mean, you know defensively Boozer is Boozer, right? I mean, he can rebound, but he's not going to move around real well. Guys like Bosch and Kevin Garnett and Al Horford, whoever it ends up being, that can you know shoot from 20 feet out are are going to give him problems. But I mean, he's got to he's got to at least earn that back on the other end, or the Bulls aren't going to win the title. And you know, so look, I guess let's see what happens. You, you, the first round's behind them. They played well enough to win. I, I think that you know that that's nice for them for now. I mean, winning that series is good. That's an important step for them. Now, now he's got to play better, and you know, I, I mean, he just—I mean, he shot like 35% on shots at the rim. That strikes me as just sort of bad luck that will probably correct itself, or you know, Roy Hibbert's size uh, playing a role there. I, I, I would—I mean, he's almost—he almost has to play better. You know, mathematically, he almost has to make more shots. Uh, so, we'll see. Zach, we, <laughs> we were talking. We were talking earlier about. Uh, Memphis, Oklahoma City, that series, and the way Memphis has surprised everyone. Seku's favorite team, the Grizzlies. Um, <laughs> what, what, what's been your take on, on the way they've played? And I mean, do you think? In a, I asked Chris Weber this earlier. Do you think we're in a couple of weeks we'll be talking about the Grizzlies in the in the conference finals? I mean, look, I mean, they're up. They've got home court advantage. Uh, there, there's, you know, stand to reason. There's at least a fifty-fifty chance we will be talking about the Grizzlies in the conference yeah. finals. Um, I, you know, look, they're, they're they're really good. I heard you guys say, I heard Saker saying before, you know, it's been months now that they've been playing like a really good team. You know, they were something like, you, you take out the games they lost on purpose at the end of the season, and they were on like a 28-10 and 10 sort of run or something like that. Maybe not that good, but 28-13 and 13 or something really good. And, uh, you know, you got those two big guys. No one has an answer for that yet. But what, what impressed me yesterday was, you know, they. I, I picked the Thunder to win this series, and I picked the Thunder because uh, Ibaka, Perkins, I thought, okay, the easy buckets, the Matt Bonner, the Soul matchup type things that they won the San Antonio series on, those are out the window now. And they're going to have to earn their points in a different way, maybe even from the, from the outside in. And I'm not sure that they're up to that. But, you know, they – <laughs> they, they proved that wrong in about 10, 10 minutes of play uh, 
it was, it was clear immediately that the Thunder don't like Serge Ibaka and Zach Randolph, and, and, you know, that just opens up a whole can of worms for the rest of the offense. Zach, do you do you think, looking at the, the way these playoffs have shaped up, that there's any stronger or or weaker case for Derrick Rose in, in the MVP conversation that really dominated the, the dialogue for those weeks leading up to the end of the regular season? I, it's funny to me that everybody – that's all we talked about, a lot of us, leading into the playoffs, and then the first round of the playoffs happened, and it seemed like the, the conversation shifted completely. You know, the playoffs obviously having a lot to do with that. But just looking at his individual performance against Indiana, and now he's going to have another chance to go at another, you know, another group here in, in the Hawks. Is, is there any doubt that, that you know he was worthy, or do you think there's still this idea? I mean, because Dwight Howard is he's, he is vicious now. I mean, he didn't he couldn't get his team out of the first round. Where, where does that debate stand? Do you think now, even though the voting's already done? Man, I don't. I don't want to revisit that debate. That was so all the, all the hate, all the hate mail I got, all the all the all the like insane people from Chicago. I mean, I picked Dwight Howard, and uh, yeah. I, I got frightening tweets at me from Chicago people. Uh, I, you know, look, I don't think I don't think the first. I mean, it's on the one hand, it's sort of like an unlosable argument for the road supporters. Like I remember, he got he right. got, in, in, in one of the games in Indiana, he went like the game they lost in Indiana. He went, I don't know what he went, like seven for twenty-five, or I'm just making that up. But it was something bad. And, and I saw some people tweeting, a couple of beat writers tweeting, "Well, this is why Rose should win the MVP when he plays badly. Look, the Bulls can't score and they lose." And I wanted to say, "But, but he just went seven for twenty-five. He played badly. That's why they lost. But how does that help his case for MVP? Like, if, if that's if that's the argument, then there's nothing I can do." Uh, look, I, I think he had a great season. I don't think the first round really really impacts whether he's worthy or not. I mean, uh, yeah. let's see what he does against the Hawks. It's a better matchup for him. And look, the last two minutes of what three of those games, those wins, last two minutes was Rose, 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 you know, or Rose to Corver, or you know. So if, yeah. if you if you believe those last two minutes are are more important than the first forty six, and if it's a close game, they are. Uh, he at least stepped it up then for the most part. No question. Zach that, Rose, was that a non? Did I give you a non-answer? Was that a non? No, no, no. no <laughs> I, see, we're, we don't have a. We don't have a. We haven't really endorsed a candidate around here. We never got into the. We we had the discussion. We we battled it with John Schumann and Steve Ashburn and some of our guys here. We we talked about it with everybody we had on. We talked to a lot of former play or current players, and they all kind of had the same refrain that hey, you know, they thought Rose was having a great season and for what his team was doing. But we never really got on a high horse around here and, 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 and beat the drum in either direction, which, you know, I guess we decided to go, uh, you know, we decided to stay in the middle of the aisle instead of getting on, on one side. And, and I, I think that worked out better for us, man. Well, it's interesting. You did bring up, though, the uh, Howard didn't get his team out of the first round. and what Yeah, I mean, it, because I think, I think, you know, when you're talking about MVPs and, you know, there has to be some kind of litmus in the in the postseason where you know you gotta, and and he played his guts out in in the first couple of games and had huge games. And they still didn't win. So it's obviously not all on Dwight, but you know that doesn't help your case. You know, how many times does the MVP Dirk Nowitzki, uh, you know, you know, win the award and then not get out of the first, not get out of the first? Yeah, round it's not a it's not a postseason award, right? No, it's not. No. You know, it's got to be to me. There has to be some connection. You know, like you have a great season. And then you get in the playoffs. I want you to make make sure you do what an MVP is supposed to do when you get on that stage. So 
I just think, like I said, I think it, it, the correlation is, is hard to make, but it's certainly if you're just looking at it, you want it to match up a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I thought he played well. The only thing I will say is no, no matter how well you play, if, if you're the focal point of your team's offense, it really hurts if you turn the ball over six times a game. or would end, <laughs> Right. That, that, right. That, that, those were some killer. Uh, killer. And when, when you lose games by two and three points, you know, you come back to look at all those possessions where he, you know, essentially falls over, the ball gets poked away from him, and you just think he's still got some work to do. Yeah. Well, don't, listen – Dwight Howard's the last person that needs to worry about that in Orlando. There are a bunch of other people in Orlando that need to be worried about not getting out of the first round. Dwight, Dwight Howard is not one of them. So, uh, that is true. So Zach, Zach Lowe from the Point Forward blog on SI.com, joining us here first time on the Hangtime Podcast. We appreciate you coming on, man, and we, we love your stuff, and hopefully you can come back and, and hang out with us before this thing's all over. Much appreciated. Let's hope for, uh, for an exciting uh, night tonight, and then that game, too, and, and Miami is going to be something, I think. Yeah. You better believe it, man. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, Thanks guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, Lang, I guess, I guess we didn't we didn't really go, uh, you know, extreme right or left on the, the MVP vote. I just remember having Schumann on, and Schumann kind of I, – I felt strong one way, and then we had Schumann on, he starts rattling off numbers, <laughs> and he blew my whole case. Like, I, you know, after that I went home scratching my head wondering if I was right. <laughs> I, yeah, I I felt the same way. I remember we talked about it after he was on. That he, I mean, he, he made a good case for for Dwight. Um, and but again, you know, like you pointed out that that you know Dwight didn't do well in the playoffs. But and I, my ballot was due before the playoffs. You know, yeah, like, right. I think right. really the playoff performance is is more than it's not really to help decide your ballot. It, it, it sort of tells you if you, how, how good a vote yeah. you, you made. Is that right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's more of a validation. I, I agree with you. I agree. Um, and you never did tell us how you voted. I mean, this isn't like the presidential election. You can share with all your friends here. Uh, <laughs> the podcast. What would the ballot look like? Uh, I voted for Derek Rose. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, I understand the arguments for Dwight and, um, you know, for a long time, I used to think Shaq deserved the award every year because the the way value is is such a undefined phrase, and even yeah. the ballot doesn't really say what you know doesn't really it's not real specific about how you're supposed to vote on that. Um, and and I thought you know for to have a big guy like that that changes every possession defensively, um, changes a lot of things offensively too. Um, it matters a lot. But I, I just thought, you know, for what Chicago went through, for how much better they got from last season, for how much better he got from last season, for, uh, um, you know, the injuries that they endured, um, to go from, from nothing to, to a uh, uh, 60 wins it, it was, was pretty unbelievable. And, uh, and, and I, 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 just, I just felt Derek deserved it. And there was other, I mean, there was other validation of the season the Bulls have had. I mean, Tom Thibodeau winning coach of the year uh, yesterday, you know, the announcement coming down. So it's not like they're, they're going to be recognized for the, the the season they had, you know, having the league's best record. And I think yeah. Derrick Rose's performance is right, you know, goes right along with that. Um, you know, and, and I have no problems with Derrick Rose winning it. I, I wasn't really feeling the, the white argument as, as much as some other people were, um, only because I didn't think the Magic – I didn't think Orlando was an elite team this season, and, and for the most part, 
MVP winners in the NBA lane are the best players on the on elite teams. You know what I'm saying? You don't right. you don't often see a guy from a fourth or fifth seed win an MVP award in the NBA. I mean, it's just look at the list of guys who have won it, and that's that's a rarity if if, if it ever happens. You know? Yeah. But you know, it, hey, uh, like Zach said, it, it, you know, it's I guess it's done. You know, it, what, it is what it is. Um, you know, and again, Derrick Rose has whether he wins or not, which everybody assumes he's going to win it, and, and that it's it's a done deal. We're going to get a chance to see him at least perform consistently now into this this next round. And to me, that's any any guy will tell you that's more important than. Than going home with a trinket is if you got a chance to keep playing and trying to win the big, the biggest award there is, and that's and that's the Larry O'Brien Trophy. So, Derek Derek Rose is all of his goals, I'm sure, are still intact, and, and that's the way you want it to be. Saker, we haven't really we've talked about all these different series. We haven't talked about the Lakers, so I thought we could get a Laker fan on with us. And uh, this is a guy <laughs> I met a couple of weeks ago through a, 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 a mutual friend. Uh, he's you probably know him from TV and movies. He's been on everything from Damages to The O.C. to a lot of different movies. He's on Broadway now, and uh, Tate Donovan is on with us. How are you, Tate? What's up? Go Lakers. It can't be hard <laughs> so, to find an actor, by the way, who's a Laker fan. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like the easiest thing in the world to be, I believe. Well, you were, you're from New York originally, right? Yeah, I'm from New Jersey. For some reason, I uh, I fell in love with the Lakers when, uh, well, it was because of Will Chamberlain. You know, he was like the tallest basketball yeah. player in the world at the time. So, you know, when you're a kid, anything that's like the tallest, you're yeah. into. And, and for some reason, and then I went to college out there during the um, the Magic years. And uh, so I just, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I love the Lakers. I, I, I'm embarrassed to admit it. So you're like a long time. I, I didn't know if you just like it came after you moved out there or whatever. But you you were a fan as a kid of the Lakers. I was. I know. I was. You know. I used to have to get in fights with Knicks fans. You know. Uh, <laughs> I, and, and nobody could understand why. Why you know a kid from New Jersey? Why do you like the Lakers? You know, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, you know, yeah. I wanted to be different. I guess. Hey, what, what was what was the difference in terms of being a fan of this team when you're coming from afar in New Jersey and then you move out here? And you're kind of in the heart of Lakerdom. What was what was that like? Just being immersed in it after seeing it from afar. Well, you know, you're not so special after all. You know, it's sort of like uh, <laughs> it was great. I loved it. And going to a Laker game, I just couldn't believe. It. I, I, you know, my first game where they were still at the Forum. You know, and yeah. uh, that that place was just like had so much history for me. So I was I was psyched. Do you do you play basketball, Tate? Or did you play growing up? Do you play now? Yeah, I play. I play, you know, I played growing up in high school and stuff like that. And uh, I played up until I was around forty. And then, literally, my doctor was like, "Listen, you're forty years old. You can't play basketball anymore." He, I, I twisted my ankle for like the nineteenth time. And yeah. uh, I was never. I'm not very good. I was, I was. My specialty was fouling people. I was excellent fouler. <laughs> you're like the Kurt Rambis of a uh, of pickup. Yeah, ball. totally. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's pretty good. So, ha, ha, being in LA, like I know you're in New York now doing the show on Broadway, but uh, you live in LA part of the time too, right? So, have you been to any games this year? You, you've been able to to follow them this year? You know, no. You know, I split really early, and I I didn't. Uh, you know, the taken like several months, so I haven't been able to catch them at all this year. But I've gone. You know, every year I always, whenever I can wrangle a ticket, you know. 
I get out there and it's um I mean they're great man I I just I've I've loved Kobe since he's since he was 17 when he first started I was just like I think it was because he spoke Italian is one of the reasons why I dug him so much you know he just uh, I mean who who speaks Italian and is uh, in the NBA you know what I'm saying (laughs) he uh you know I talked to um I talked to uh earlier this year I was in LA and, and um Lamar Odom was saying that like Kobe is really the prince of Los Angeles. And if you live out there, you probably see this more than, than we do on the East Coast. But he said that Kobe's really embraced by that city, like the same way that like a Peyton Manning is in Indiana or um, Derek Jeter is in New York. Is that kind of the way it seems out there? Yeah, I mean, he, he Lamar Odom has it right. I mean, he is the prince of Los Angeles. And we just all adore him, whether, you know, he's in trouble or he hogs the ball or he uh, – you know, all the sort of things that, you know, in other cities people criticize him about. And you know what? I can, I, I can see their point of view, but it doesn't matter to me. It just rolls off our backs because we just love the guy. He just, you know, we, we, we saw him grow up, and uh, I don't know. He's just time after time he has just been so clutch. And yeah. uh, I think he, I think he um, you know, his work ethic, I think, is something that makes us really love him. I mean, he yeah. he is the first one there. He's the last one to leave. Um, he could have been a really sort of, um, you know, pompous sort of guy. But yeah. he seems, when it comes to basketball, he seems just about winning. And there's a humility to that, which I think we really appreciate. Tate, did you ever see this coming, like, after the Magic years, you had to think, okay, you, saw, you see a once-in-a-lifetime player – no way you see another legend come walking through the door, and then here comes Kobe. Yeah, that was exactly it. We were all like, oh, you know, suffering. Remember when Kurt Rambis was the coach? That was hysterical. You know what I mean? We <laughs> were like, oh, man. But, you know, we went out there anyway. And, and uh, 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 But then, yeah, when he came along, it was just like this excitement, you know? And, uh, and Shaq was there, and, you know, it was just like we all just got – Super jazz, and when they, when when they got Jackson and started winning championships, it was just it was crazy. It was sort of like a dynasty of, of it all. As a matter of fact, I'm in New York yeah. City right now, and a guy is walking by with a Lakers jacket. Are you a Lakers fan? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat. Why are you wearing a jacket? It says Lakers, and oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm an actor. I'm an actor. Yeah. Right. Nice to meet you. Man. Let's go Lakers. He's a new fan. What are you gonna do? Yeah. I know. <laughs> So I had to do that. I had to do that. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Speaking of, of the Lakers and, and just the here and now, this series against Dallas is, is as Hollywood a series as you could get. A uh, 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 boisterous owner for, for the Mavericks and Mark Cuban, a guy who loves the spotlight going against the Lakers here in the conference semifinals. Isn't this what the playoffs are about when you're a Lakers fan, is having this stage and, and having these big personalities be a part of what's going on? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's always crunch time, and, and it, it, you know, during the playoffs. And, but the, the thing about it is, is that, um, you know, even though it's like a big show and the press loves to talk about, you know, all the the rivalries and the personality, you know, what what always impresses me about the Lakers is it always comes down to teamwork and following Jackson. And, um, you know, it's, it's actually kind of oddly uh, a humbling time. It's a time when they get down to work and they 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 don't care too much about uh, you know all the stories and all the hype. It's just right. like, hey guys, let's just win this game. Let's just um, and they get into such scrap. I mean, it's it's 
I suppose it's it's great to be a Laker fan, but man, they they put you through your paces. I guess like every team, but <laughs> I just I just I, I, you know, when they start to lose, I just I can't take it. It's just too brutal. It's too brutal. <laughs> Tate, as, I know you've gotten into directing recently. You've done shows uh, like Glee, Weeds, Nip Tuck. Uh, as a director and doing moving into that, does that make you appreciate like a Phil Jackson a little bit more, the person in charge and behind the scenes kind of guy? Yeah, totally. You know, it's funny you say that. It does. It does. You know, when you're in charge or you're a director, you have to really let yourself, um, let other people create an environment where other people can succeed. You know, that's right. your only job. And, you know, Phil Jackson is obviously the master of that. And uh, it's it's interesting to go from like a player, an actor, to uh, where all you're concerned about is you succeeding. You know what I mean? Uh, right. to a coach or a director where you're like, no, this is a place where others, I have to, I have to put myself in, you know, uh, uh, in a position where everyone else can succeed. You know, that's, yeah. that's, uh, it's a, it's a tough thing to learn. And, you know, he's, he's definitely the master of it. Well, uh, we're not going to let you go without getting a prediction from you. You think, you think your Lakers are going to go all the way this year? You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a classic pessimist. You know, I can't imagine that they're going to go all the way again. You know what I mean? I'm just like, really? After the season they had and, you know, Bynum and, I don't know, Kobe rode his ankle again. You know, like, I'm, I'm like petrified. Uh, I hope and I dream, you know, but, um, uh, you know, I think they can. You know, they can do it, you know, and I would love to see Kobe get six rings and Derek Fisher. Yeah. That guy's yeah. awesome. I love that guy. Last thing, um, I wanted to give you a shout out. I, you know, we saw your play last week. My wife and I saw your play. It's fantastic. Good people. Um, I just want to give you a little plug. I mean, you want to tell people what it's about? I, I, I thought it was, uh, it's really amazing. I, I wondered how a Laker fan can do a Boston accent for two hours every night and not feel bad about <laughs> yeah. it. it. The play is about a uh, Celtic fan, you know, basically. <laughs> no, um, he, it, it's a, it's a play about, um, people from Southie and I played this, um, sort of successful doctor who's gotten out of the South Boston, which is a really bad, uh, neighborhood. Uh, it's just really, you know, just awful place yeah. to be from. And, um, uh, my old sort of high school girlfriend, played by Frances McDormand, comes and uh, tries to hit me up for a job because we find out she loses her job and she's a single parent. And, uh, and it's just a really beautiful, funny, um, kind of moving story about, you know, the haves and the have-nots, you know, and um, yeah. coming from, uh, you know, a, a really uh, humble sort of bad neighborhood and... Um, you know, sort of the difference between the classes in America, you know? I mean, they're, totally. they're only getting wider and wider, and uh, when they come together, it's, uh, it's a lot of fireworks go off. So it's, um, it's a great play, and if you're in New York, come see it. Yeah, it was, it was really well. It was really well written, too. I, I'm totally blanking on the playwright's name right now. Oh, but, yeah, uh, um, uh, David Lindsay Bear. Yeah, beautifully yeah. written, right? Yeah, and it was it was funny. You, you nailed it. It was funny and beautiful. It was really well done. So, uh, and you were great in it. So, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry. You you made my wife sick. But otherwise, it was, uh... <laughs> no problem, bro. It's, it's, it's funny. Lang Lang is surprised at how well you did the Boston accent. He's obviously never seen Love Potion Number Nine. He would have known what kind of actor you were, uh, and wouldn't have been surprised by it. Yeah, I know. Well, he, you know, he had little faith, but I, I turned him exactly. around. <laughs> hey, thanks, we appreciate, man, for thanks for taking so the absolutely. time, man. And uh, it was right, good talking so to much. you. And hopefully, see you soon. 
Yeah, it'd be great, Lang. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Dave. Ciao. Lang, Lang's got Lang's got highbrow friends, Micah. I know. Uh, we're we're going to have to I mean, keep well, uh, you know, working his contacts. Get Lang, Lang is Mr. New guests. York, man. He is Hollywood. This dude, we got to, I'll tell you, we to keep Lang around. I, I I was at a dinner like two weeks ago, and there was a bunch of people there, and, and I ended up sitting next to Tate. And um, that was the first time I met him. And we started talking, and he's like, what do you do? I was like, I, I cover the NBA. And um, he goes, oh, who do you think is going to win it all this year? And I was like, well, I picked the Lakers. And he gave me a fist bump. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh, so you're a basketball fan. He's like, uh, the Lakers are my team. So we just talked about basketball the entire meal. So. I was like, oh, we got to get you on the podcast. You'd be great. And he was great. No that question. was great. No question. Listen, one of the all-time – that's a Hall of Fame hang time podcast moment, him yelling at a at a dude walking down the street in New York with a Lakers jacket on and finding out he's a Knicks fan. What, is, what are the chances of that happening? I know. That was really good. <laughs> well, if he wants New York, I'll take L.A. for him, Lang. And, uh, you know, these, these playoffs uh, – they they can't do anything but get better from here as far as I'm concerned. Um, so we we got to make sure people are, are joining us again next week. Uh, thank all of our guests, obviously. Uh, Chris Weber of NBA TV, TNT, Zach Lowe from SI.com, and Tate Donovan, uh, he of the many, many quality uh, movies, plays, television shows. Big shout-out to him for joining us Um and and Lang, you got to keep it rolling now. You got to you gonna have to keep doing these dinners and make sure you get out there and uh, and network some more in New York, man. Get listen, get the Donald, get somebody. Let's let's go now. Get, let's, yeah, let's, let's hey, you're the one. You're in, you're in Hollywood right now. You're the one talking about <laughs> one in the morning on the beach. <laughs> get some of the Baywatch cast on here. Come on, what's going on? <laughs> no question, man. Listen, I, I will uh, make sure. Then I come up with something special for next week. We get Mike on it. You know, maybe you can get Obama or something on here. Listen, Hang Time Podcast, thank you for joining us. Episode 54 coming at you, and next week we will see you again.